Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we return once again uh, to the teaching of Jesus in these chapters, often called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus tries to shape the life of His disciples. He tries uh, to teach us what it means to belong to God's kingdom and to live out God's heavenly kingdom here on this earth. And we come now uh, to a, a different topic tonight as Jesus moves from what we consider ethics uh, into what we would consider spiritual life or spiritual practices. And I need to acknowledge uh, as we start tonight that I have preached on this passage before. And I think that I sent that sermon in when I uh, uh, interviewed for this position. And uh, my view on this passage hasn't radically changed. And so for a few of you who are on the committee or, or other things, this, some of this might sound a little familiar. All right. So Matthew chapter 6. I am going to read verses uh, 1 to 18, only I'm not. I'm going to skip a few verses in, in there as well, okay? So Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises or phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then if you'll join me down in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy, like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for these words because you have preserved for us, you have given to us the words of your Son, God in the flesh, 
And we are so grateful that You have revealed Yourself to us in Scripture. And I pray that You would help us to come with that gratitude and hear with humble hearts tonight that we would receive what You want to say to us. We ask that the Spirit would be at work now as we consider the words of Jesus, that He would help us to understand, and more than that, that He would help us to live what we hear. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Shakespeare said, All the world is a stage, and men and women are merely actors on it. And I don't want to take on that level of artistry uh, and be presumptuous, but I would add that if all the world is a stage and we are merely actors on it, that we all share in our lives the performer's desire for applause. Every performer, no matter what they say about self-expression or artistic integrity, every performer wants to be acknowledged for their performance. They want to be noticed. They want to be affirmed. And we all share that desire. We're born with it. In a few weeks, if God protects and provides, we'll have an infant in our house. And that infant will cry, not only because he's hungry, and not only because he's in pain, but he will cry for attention. We learn it very early on that we long for other people to notice us, to affirm us. And, and of course, in our culture, that desire has been amplified to the point of distortion. Uh, uh, Surveys consistently say that fame is the greatest desire of most people in our culture, to be known to be celebrated. And of course, technology just gives us new ways to try to get attention for ourselves. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, addresses that desire for applause when it is connected to religious habits. He talks about three things here, three activities, spiritual practices. He talks about giving to the poor. He talks about prayer. And he talks about fasting. And all of these are things that Scripture teaches us we should do. These are ways that we are connected to God. Ways that we communicate with Him. Ways that we know Him and and seek His work in our lives. And understand here that Jesus isn't arguing for the necessity of these practices. Prayer, fasting, generosity of the poor. He assumes that. He assumes that those who belong to Him, these activities will matter to them. They will do them. So He's not not arguing for their necessity. He is doing something else. He's going for something more interior. Something that we've seen in this sermon a lot Jesus is going after our motivations. So that the question here isn't if we do these things, it is how we do these things, and more importantly, why we do these things. 
And to, to address this, Jesus uses the images of the theater. You see this phrase throughout the passage uh, that people do these things to be seen. And that verb is just the verb form of the noun for theater. He is saying these people are theatricizing prayer, fasting, and giving. And then, of course, this word that we uh, see throughout the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, the word hypocrites. He talks about people who practice these things as hypocrites. And this is simply the word for actor in the Greek word. World. These are just people who stood on a stage, put on a mask, and played a role. Of course, it's come to mean something different to us. It means someone who is, is different in their public lives, and their private lives, or they're different with one group of people than they are with another group of people. But Jesus is less concerned with that, and he's more concerned with why that difference exists. Why does an actor put on a mask and take on a role? for applause, for recognition. So these are people who take the practice of faith, of religion, of praying, fasting, and giving, and use them to get recognition, to get applause. And I think we could summarize Jesus' teaching here by putting a title on it. And we could title this section of Scripture, Jesus Confronts Drama Queen Spirituality. And here's the bad news. We're all drama queens. (laughs) We all share in that tendency, that temptation to use the practices of our faith. Things like prayer, things like Bible reading, volunteering, giving, fasting. We all share the temptation to use those things to get affirmation for ourselves, to get attention For ourselves. So now that we're all feeling nice and guilty, what do we do? How do we address this? Well, I want to look at Jesus' teaching here, and, and I want you to see that he talks about two different levels of motivation. Remember, this is what he's going after. He's going after our hearts, he's going after what drives our actions. And he addresses two levels of motivation. He talks about the motivation of reward. And he talks about the motivation of relationship. So first of all, the motivation of reward. Jesus' approach here is very practical. It is very goal-oriented. Almost surprisingly so. Jesus says, you can get two things with the practice of your faith. Prayer, fasting, giving. There are two possible outcomes, and those outcomes are mutually exclusive. You can get the reward of God, or you can get the reward of other people. And what, this, this is a little bit, makes us a little bit uncomfortable, because for some reason, in, in our view of Christianity, we're, we're afraid of the word reward. There's something in us that thinks, well, I should do this just because I love Jesus. And and if I do this with any sort of reward in mind, that that's a that's a corrupted motivation. But Jesus here and throughout this sermon is unafraid to talk about reward. Right. 
So we should be careful not to be more spiritual than Jesus is, right? That's probably a good goal for us. Jesus unashamedly uses the motivation of reward and he creates this contrast. And he says, if you want people to notice you and you use religious habits, rituals, practices for that purpose, you will be successful. You can get what you want. He says three times this phrase, the people who do this, they already have their reward. They get what they want. Listen, it is not hard. I, I have grown up in the church. If you need a coach, I can coach you. All right? Ways to, to use the Christian life and the practices of the Christian life to get attention for yourselves. It's not hard. Certain things in the right tone of voice, little hints about our quiet times. It it is easy to impress people spiritually. But Jesus says, if that is how you use those things, you'll get your reward. You will be successful, but that's all you will get. And if that's what you pursue, then you will miss the point Of these gifts, the gifts of prayer, fasting, and giving. You will miss the point of why God has given these practices to His people. It's kind of like going to a concert. And the whole time you're at a concert, you're you're listening to this great band. And the whole time, you're taking pictures and posting them to Facebook. Okay? If you do that, you will get the attention of your friends. And they might be impressed with your musical taste. But you miss the point of the concert, right? Because you, you are not present enjoying the music that this group is making. And that is what it is like when we take prayer, fasting, giving, Bible reading, other practices like that. When we take them and use them to get attention for ourselves, we miss the point. God has given us these things as ways to be connected to Him as ways to relate to Him, to love Him, to seek His work in our lives. And if we pursue the reward of being noticed by men, we will miss the reward of knowing God's work through prayer, through fasting and giving. But when we grasp the superiority of what God holds out to us in prayer, fasting and giving, then the applause of other people will lose It's attraction. But how do we do that? (laughs) That's hard. It is really, really easy to want the affirmation of other people for our spiritual life. It is really immediate. Because you can say something or do something and you can see people's response. You can feel how impressed they are with you. Where with God, the reward is often in the future. It is something that is perceived more by faith than something that we can perceive with our senses. And so how do we get to this place where we desire God's reward as opposed to the reward of other people? Well, Jesus gives really practical advice here. He tells us how to shape our motivations, how to shape our lives, how to shape our hearts. 
And He says, make sure that when you pray and you fast and give, make sure that you do these things in a way that they will go unnoticed. Now here is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying you should never pray in public. You should never give when someone else knows about it. You should never fast when someone else knows about it. That is not what Jesus is saying. That would contradict Jesus' own life and ministry. But what he is saying is that you don't you that you always bring these practices back to privacy. Back to secrecy. And and that the practice of prayer and fasting and giving, you do them enough where they go unnoticed, that they become the foundation of any public practice of these things. That you shape your heart by doing these things when no one will be impressed, when no one will compliment you, when no one will say, wow, you're really spiritual, you really love Jesus. So Jesus is telling us to always bring these practices back into privacy so that we can train our hearts, so that we can train our motivations to seek His reward and not the reward of other people. Now, there's a problem at this point because it would be easy to think, okay, prayer, I do this not to get the attention of other people. I do this to get the attention of God. And that's a problem for me, at least, because I fall asleep when I pray. I get distracted. Uh, I, I decide I'm going to spend some time prayer and fasting, and, and that fasting lasts about an hour before I'm thieving my children's Halloween candy. There's a temptation to think that if we're seeking God's reward, then God's opinion of us is dependent on the quality of our performance of these things. And if that's true, I'm in trouble, and I think you are as well. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus takes us beyond the level of reward, and takes us to the level of relationship. Look at verses 7 and 8 again with me. Let's read these again. Matthew 6, 7 and 8. He says, And when you pray, excuse me, let's, yeah, 7 and 8. I was in the wrong place. And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Notice here, Jesus shifts from a Jewish context to a Gentile context. He he shifts from uh, the Jewish religious practices to what we would call pagan religious practices. And and most of the people and cultures that would have surrounded Jesus and his disciples, their view of prayer fasting and giving was there are gods way up there in the sky and they don't care. They could care less about my life, about my community, my family, my village, my city. And so we have to do these rituals and these religious habits in order to get their attention. 
and to try to make them care. And Jesus says, no, absolutely not. That is, that is not what I am teaching you to do. And, and th- that's not just an ancient problem. That's a modern problem as well. I think a lot of us, even maybe here tonight, hoping that we can get God's attention so that if we do enough praying, fasting, giving, reading our Bibles, going to church, God will finally like us and, and maybe give us what we want. We, we have a kind of technological view of God that if we get the code right, then it will produce what we want from Him. And Jesus says, no, absolutely not. Why? Because it makes God less than a father. Remember, all through this sermon, Jesus refers to God with that little phrase, your father who is in heaven. So that this whole teaching about living in the kingdom of God is how to live life in response to God as your father. That Jesus has come to make a way for us to call God father. And that's what we were created for. That's the story of the Bible, that we were made to call God our Father, that we were made, Genesis says, in His likeness, a part of His family. But sin and our rebellion has estranged that relationship. It's fractured that relationship so that we are separated from God. And so God starts His work in the nation of Israel leading to Jesus. And that is the work of Jesus. It is to once again make it possible for human beings made in the image of God to call Him Father. And Jesus says, if you call God Father, then you don't have to grab His notice. You don't have to do these things and work really hard to make Him pay attention to you. You already have His notice. More than that, you have His care and His compassion and His love. He knows your need before you even know it. So you don't pray to make God care for you. You pray because in Jesus you know that He already deeply beyond your imagining cares for you. You don't fast to get God's attention. You fast because you already have it. You don't give to create a a positive relationship with God. You give because Jesus has created a loving relationship with God to the point that you can call God your Father. And when we get that, when we understand that, yes, we're, we're happy for the reward of God, but our deepest motivation for the practices of our faith, things like prayer, fasting, and giving, then those things become less duty and more delight because they're an expression of a relationship. Um, I have been involved in music all of my life, and uh, some of you know I studied it as, as an undergraduate. And um, so I've done a lot of performing. 
performed in a number of different contexts, uh, from the very intimidating and scary to the very comfortable. And, and the extremes of, of that to me uh, would be on the intimidating, scary side was playing a jury. Some of you are music, I see smiles and nods from a few of the musicians in the room. And at least when I was uh, at Florida State School of Music, uh, when you were a sophomore, when you came to the end of your sophomore year, uh, you had to play a jury. And this jury uh, decided whether you would continue as a music major or not. They decided whether you were good enough. And you would walk in a room or a recital hall and the lights would be hot on you and, and there would be three or four people out there and they would be faculty members. So you're not playing this huge crowd, but you're playing in front of faculty members and they hold your life in their hands. They really do. They can say, you're not good enough. You need to go do something else or yeah, we're going to pass you. You continue on, your, on what you thought you were going to do with your life. S- scary, frightening, very intimidating. Okay, opposite end of the spectrum. Um, whenever I went with my parents to visit my grandparents, uh, it was always demand performance. Um, it didn't matter what you played, uh, you were going to play for the grandparents. Um, and it didn't matter if you were good or not, uh, you're going to play. And, um, and that was very comfortable and easy. Why? Because I knew my grandparents loved me. I knew that I didn't have to play really well for them to care about my, my life. Uh, it didn't matter how well I played or didn't play. They thought I was the greatest musician since Lawrence Welk. All right? Which was their standard. All right? It's my PBS every Saturday. My grandparents. So I did, it didn't matter if I missed a note. It didn't matter if... I was a little out of tune. I knew that I was loved and accepted and valued and celebrated and heard. And what I want you to see from Jesus' teaching tonight is that Jesus takes the practice of our faith, those habits of prayer, fasting, and giving, and He takes them out of the jury room and He puts them in the living room. He says, if you know God as your Father, then you can come to Him and not live in fear that your performance will not be good enough. Because God's love for you is not based on the quality of your performance, it's based on the quality of your relationship with Him, which you have in Jesus Christ. So yes, all the world is a stage. Our lives do participate in the drama of history. And our praying and fasting and giving are part of that. But for the Christian, the drama of history, the drama of God's redemption is family theater. We live not in that harsh light of the jury room. We live in the comfort of our Father's living room where He is pleased with even our imperfect performance of these spiritual practices. Not because the quality of that performance, but because of the quality of the relationship we have with Him through Jesus Christ. So let's be people of prayer. 
Let's revive the practice of fasting because we don't do it anymore and we should. Let's be people of deep generosity to those who are in need. But let's not do it out of fear, out of anxiety. Let's do it in confidence. Let's not do it out of the desire to get the applause of the people in this room. But let's do it for the smile of our Father who smiles even on our imperfect performance. Let's pray.